Hey everyone, welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you for joining me on another trail journey. Uh, my next guest today is, uh, I've only known him for a few months. We had an opportunity to meet each other and sh- when we both showed up to help support Hector Rodriguez in his virtual San Diego 200 mile attempt. Uh, and the more I've gotten to know him, the more respect I have for him as a human being and as an ultra runner. Uh, he's here to share his journey into trail running and He's really, he's actually relatively fresh off his race, his 72 hour race in Arizona. So it'll be kind of interesting to hear that conversation and how that race did for him. So let's just get right into it. Om Gandhi. Well, help me turn the turning. Well, help me get it right. I don't want to hurt nobody. Thank you for having me on the show. It's uh, really great to finally be doing this. Thanks for saying that you've uh, got a lot of respect for me because my respect for you grows every day too. Thanks, brother. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I've had the opportunity, and I, I've told we we both know Hector really well, and I, I've had conversations with Hector, and it's amazing the people that I've had a chance to meet over these last I don't know year and a half to you know six months a year and a half. It's it's been it's been awesome, and everybody that I've met through that process has always on the same mentality, the same, you know, uh, work ethic and, and what they put into, to not only their, their fitness and and running, but also into what they do as on a regular everyday basis. So it's, it's awesome to actually have this conversation and, and hear a little bit more about your story. Cause again, like I said, I'm, you and I just relatively, you know, we met six months ago and I'm still getting to know you a little bit more. So I'm personally excited to hear your backstory as far as how you got into it. So I, I, again, appreciate you being here. But, uh, so with that being said, uh, I know you're not, you were not always a runner. So that, this is kind of something new that's popped up over the last few years here. So what is your backstory? And uh, did you have a, an athletic background growing up? Um, no, actually, I was uh, the exact opposite. I was in a remedial PE growing up. Um, I failed the fitness test almost every year. Uh, I was the last kid on the track. I would say about till, I mean, I played basketball in college and I tried some sports in high school, but I was never like a truly athletic person. So I would say about three and a half years ago was where I completely left the sedentary lifestyle and started jumping into the world of running. And that started, you know, with walking and like started with a quarter of a mile and it's just snowballed since then, man. And, but yeah, I was never born with certain genetics or gifted athletically. It's just all consistency. Yeah. So what was, you know, getting, getting started into it. Uh, you start with that first quarter mile and, and going, getting into it. So how, where did you kind of figure out that running was, Hey, this is something that I could actually get into and, and be good at and enjoy actually. You know, it actually never started that way for me as like a sport that I just always wanted to do. It actually started for me as a, uh, outlet, a way of expressing myself, a way of relieving stress. Um, I was just in a, I was just in a terrible situation, you know, just working a job where I was working 80 hours a week and just burnt out and, you know, financial troubles. And there's just a lot of things going on. And I just decided to get outside and just find a way to get active. And I went out there and tried to see if I could run a mile as fast as possible. And 
did a quarter of a mile and got really sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's, there's a start, always a start point. So, um, no, no, um, you're, but I did watch a, uh, but I did watch a documentary, um, that has stuck with me for many years, um, called REI's how to run a 100 back when I was at work. And that documentary at the time when I watched it made me think that this was like something that superhumans do. And I think just, I said one goal after another, like it was just run 30 minutes, run a 5k, run a 10k, run a half and things just like spiraled and snowballed. And it was just one thing to the next. Now we, we talked about, uh, how you're getting ready to move out to the Phoenix area. Are you, right. and now I met you when you were living up in the orange County, uh, area here. Are, are you originally from uh, Southern California? Yeah, I was born in uh, LA in the inner city. I lived there for the first 12, 13 years of my life. And then I moved to Orange County in high school. And I'm born and raised in SoCal. So you have that opportunity of like, it's when I've talked to other runners, you know, or other people who are sharing their story, like being from the Midwest, like myself, like outdoor sports sometimes can be a little bit tricky. <laughs> Um, as far as wanting to get into things, right? Like, oh, hey, I I might want to get into running a marathon, but it's the summertime, and all of a sudden it it hits wintertime, and you can't do anything. So it's cool to know that that when you had that mentality to shift over, it was kind of like you weren't limited, right? To hey, the weather's going to suck. I mean, <laughs> bad weather yeah, here in, totally. in in Southern California is sixty five degrees and a little bit overcast. So <laughs> um, totally. we're blessed with really good weather in Southern California, and um, that's something that I'm actively looking for as well, just to grow and get uncomfortable. Um, but you're not always there in the Midwest so perspective from you. You got into running a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. And I assume that, you know, cause usually when a lot of people get into running first, it's it, you're the first thing to think about is a hey, road running. Let's go out and just go out and run your neighborhood or run around the track or whatever. So there's not really that first thought process of trail running. So where was your crossover into trail running after um, starting to get that running into, you know, into running? Yeah, you're definitely right. Trail running is sort of a niche that you, somebody has to find. Uh, luckily for me uh, in 2019, one of the things that I picked up was backpacking. And so I was actually a through hiker before I became a trail runner. Okay. And I was actually heading, I might still be on the path of road marathons if it wasn't for the pandemic. Uh, I was actually on my way to doing my first marathon and the OC marathon and that got canceled. You know, once the pandemic started, I started spending more time on trails and I sort of just combined the two together and saw that one of the available 50Ks out there was the Zion 50K and mm -hmm. committed to my uh, first hundred miler before I even did my first 50 K and sort of, <laughs> yeah, it just sort of snowballed from there. So let's, let's talk about that for a second. So you, you did your first hundred miler before you even did a shorter distance. And I say shorter quote unquote as a 50, as a, as a 50 K. So what was, what was the mentality of you just jumping into trail running, just getting into running over the uh, two-year period or three-year period at this point. What's where's your mentality starting to head as far as okay, now I've got a hundred miles to do. Like what so, was so to so to clarify, it was I did do a fifty k before I did my hundred mile. Oh, you but did. The okay. way I typically do set my goals is the way I've always set my goals is I set something high and far away that scares me. And I've been watching that documentary for years, How to Run a One Hundred, and I just told myself like just send it, you know, 
Uh, the most I'd run was 16 miles up to that point. And typically what I'll do is I'll set a goal like that and then I'll figure out the rest afterwards. So Got once it. I set that, let's say July, 2020, and the, the 100 mile was in April of 2021, Got it. I sort of just put 50 Ks around it um, and started training for it. And probably had not much of a clue what I was doing because I didn't really meet too many people in the trail community. Um, but I send it, but I guess the mentality behind it has always been like just swinging big and testing my personal limits. Um, and also giving to a higher cause. Yeah. I mean, what, so what was the, what was your first 50 K then? What, what, what did you end up doing first? So Zion was my first 50 K. I did that September of 2020. Got it. And what did you take out of that 50K that led you into the, because you're then followed up, as I understand, you did the 100 mile right after that 50K, that first 50K? So after I did the Zion 50K, I wasn't expecting to do any more 50Ks, but racing sort of reopened in uh, San Diego in early 2021. I did the uh, Elder Creek race, uh, which actually is the first time I met Hector Rodriguez. I did the Ranch 50K. I went out and did... I think about three, four more 50 Ks. And I think uh, my biggest takeaway from doing the Zion 50 K, despite how difficult it was, probably still one of the hardest races I've ever done was that this is where I belong, that this is, this is my tribe. This is my sport. So what's your, um, as you're doing that first 50 K that's that Zion race, you know, doing 16 miles at your, at your longest mentally pushing into that mile 22, 23, all the way up into 30, 31. Like how are, you know, how are you navigating that aspect of it? And just getting, again, cause you're fresh into running, fresh into trail running. Um, what does that start to teach you about your body? Um, if anything at this point, right. Cause it's the first race. What does that start teaching about your body and your mentality? Um, pushing, pushing through all of that stuff. I think it taught me that, um, despite what your physical abilities are, despite where you are, um, a lot of it is mental. Like a lot of it is just committing your heart and soul to something and just like sending it and just going for it. And that's exactly what I did. And granted, like the last four miles of that race was a death march because I did not know how salt pills worked. (laughs) Um, The last four miles took me like three hours. Um, It was pretty bad. I found out more about myself in those last four miles than I did in the first 27. Um, And I just realized that being in those situations and putting myself in that discomfort is where I'm going to get the most growth. And I realized that this was kind of the platform for me to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, out of all the, I've, you talked to, I talked to all these ultra runners and trail runners and that's, that's usually seems to be where they, everybody kind of figures it out is like that, that last four or five miles really teaches you more about what you need to do, how to do it what you like mentally and physically and, and how to push yourself through it. Um, so that it's, it's always amazing to hear that. And it never shocks me to hear, um, everybody say the same thing. Cause I think you're right. I think those last four miles or that last couple hours of the race are really what drives the mentality of suffering through the pain cave and, and understanding how you can come out of it. Right. I know you've seen it, um, probably at the ERS events as well. Um, just like, you know, it's not just the distance itself, but like how everybody has their own relative. Uh, maybe somebody who's doing their first half or their 5K. And you kind of just see people evolve in those last 
few miles or when they're crossing the finish line. So I know you've definitely seen that yourself. Yeah. I mean, it, it, and it's great. I mean, that's some of the best, best parts of even, you know, we did our first 50 K uh, here in San Diego at the Del Dios races two weekends ago. And that was some of the, it's always, I love always seeing the faces as they cross the finish line that, you know, as at the 50 K, right. Or even yeah, shed, yeah. even, even those new trail runners that cross the line for the first time in, in their first 5k or 10k. I mean, it's, that's like some of the best parts of being a race director for me is seeing how somebody can succeed and push themselves to, to their limit, whatever that limit is. Right. So moving into some of your other races. So you've started in 2020 with, with your events. So how many events have you done since you started in 2020? Cause I, it seems like to me, you're, you've, every time I look through your social media, you've got another race that you're competing and doing. So how many, have, how many Honestly, have you man, I think I, I'm starting to lose count myself. <laughs> um, but um, I think it's like something around the, ballpark of like 10, 11 of these okay. ultras I've been. And so you just completed, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the, in the, uh, intro, like you just completed the 72 hour air Vipa across the years event. So I want to talk to about that event because that event is unique, you know, in a way. And I, I had the, the brief opportunity to go out uh and say hello to you even though i you were and in I that, you're in that mind you you're in that mind fog of, of probably i don't know hour 65 or something whatever it was yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> but i i had the opportunity to walk that course uh you know one loop around with hector and it was one of the things that we talked about is how mentally draining that can be because it's a one mile flat course around the pretty much around their their baseball stadium out there in, in glendale and so you mentally you, i i was kind of as we were going around at the you know, for the first half i was like this isn't that bad like mm -hmm. i could do like i could do this i could i could run around a mile you know loop around this on trail whatever and then you start to realize like as you see people go by and and you start talking to some of the runners like no you've got to do this for 72 hours on the same flat course that that and that's where the mentality of it uh creeps in so let's talk about that for a little bit like going into this race you'd never done a 72 hour event or an event this, this long correct yeah um actually the most foot time i'd ever done before that race was at the zion 100 and that was 36 hours um so i basically just doubled up on my foot time crazy going going into it so you know that you've done the 36 hour window you know that you can do this so mentally like mentally and physically how are you preparing to pretty much double your foot time on an event like this um i think it was i honestly just trained the same way i do for any ultra um kind of the same cardinal rules like uh you know, foot time, uh, preparing for the terrain that you're going to run on. In this case, I was off the trails completely because I was supposed to run a park flat. So I was running out on the roads and on really, really flat trails and just, uh, dialing up the things that I practice from each race to one race to the next, the two most important things, nutrition and foot care. But the rest of it, I think is there are certain things that I don't think you can really practice for. You really just have to learn them when you're in that zone, in that arena. Oh yeah. I, 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 there's nothing that really can compare. I think I can, I don't think can really prepare you for 72 hours along. A, it's like almost like running a track for 72 hours. I, I would imagine it's kind of one of those just monotony just kind of kicks in a little bit, especially at 2 AM, 3 AM in the morning when you're in the dark 
<laughs> not really, you know, having that, that visual as far as where you're at and stuff. So I, I can see how that mentally kind of creeps in a little bit. How does, how does going around that same one mile flat loop, like where's you, where are you at mentally when some, in some of that area? I mean, obviously we'll talk about, we'll talk about physical because physical is a completely different thing, right? And your feet and joints and everything start to break down, but where, where's mentally, where do you start breaking? Like, how does that factor in? Cause again, 72 hours on a flat course that you're doing over and over again, I would think mentally you kind of start to break down faster than you would physically. Um, you know, that's what people typically say. Like they say like, yeah, you know, one mile loop, like you're going to get bored really fast. Um, I think it's just mind numbing. (laughs) 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 Um, and I think for me, what helps the first thing that always helps me when I go into any race is just telling myself, like you signed up for this. Um, you were going to be out here three days, no matter what. So you better just buckle up and do it. Um, what also helped me in this case was this is the first time I ever set up a pacing plan. So I had a strategy and I was sticking to it and just sort of just like getting into a meditative state and just kind of just doing it and sending it. Um, It's a whole bunch of different things. Sometimes I'll turn on music, um, but it's honestly just, it becomes mind numbing and you're just sort of focused on your goal. And in my case, also focused on higher purpose, which is Ritstone family. Mm -hmm. Um, And just telling yourself that like, you're out here just running one mile loops. Um, that couldn't be as bad as anything that those kids are going through or those people are going through. Yeah. So, and I want to, I, I want to get into that in just a little bit um, and, and stick with the, the race here for a second. So did from a 72 hour perspective in this, this race, were you allowed to have pacers out there on course with you? So you weren't always running by you at the, at any given time? was yeah um the first night i it started after the first night i was able to have uh brandon stutz with me brandon stutzman he's a videographer just made a documentary about the race um and he was also pacer extraordinaire he was out there with me doing loops with me second night of course hector rodriguez made a grand entry and <laughs> really gave me a burst of energy um and just you know had friends and family come out and support and just do some loops with me and that made the it was the camaraderie and the socialness of the that made the event that much more better yeah the sense so, of community and then how how often can can those pacers uh stick with you is it based on an on a on a hourly or a mileage scenario it's uh it's a night thing so during the day they expect more traffic of runners but during the night it there's less people on the track so they're a little bit less stringent about who can be on it. And Got it. Pace. Okay. So that makes for, I mean, I don't know, in a sense, comforting in a sense, the fact that you've, you know, as it starts to get night, right. When mentally you start to get, you, you kind of start to space out a little bit or whatever. There's somebody that's there to help you out in that time frame. I'm sure. Uh, physically, how'd you feel during the, during the event? I started, I was feeling actually great. And you know, when I say great, it's like an ultra runner is like a relative great. Um, <laughs> I think the worst thing that probably happened to me, I did hit my usual highs and lows, but the worst thing that happened to me was probably my knee locking up at mile 96. Um, like I literally lost movement of it for a while. Um, I started dealing with the hip flexor issue that I had been dealing with since the first night. Uh, 
everything past mile 100 was just really weird, uncharted territory. And um, it was just like the pain just got progressively worse and worse. Like that's the thing with ultras is the pain just doesn't get better. Um, but you kind of start to tolerate it more. You go through highs and lows. Um, but I, going back, I would definitely say mile 96 was the point of the race where I think I almost came close to buckling down and I was able to have Brandon actually, uh, was able to work on the knee and I foam rolled it and reassessed and got the range of mobility back. And after that, I just kept pushing, just kind of tried to embrace the pain and just like go through the river of pain and just keep pushing through. Yeah. Um, so the, you know, from one of the things that always you talked about your knee blocking up, I mean, how did, how the feet make it through? Cause the feet are always one of the first things to go. Like, have you ever had any foot issues with, with races like that, that, and that you noticed that maybe popped up during this event? Oh, big time. Um, I'm, I'm very susceptible and prone to chafe like blisters on my feet. I'll get like, I'll get really bad blood blisters. Um, at the Zion 100, my feet were like, I had like really bad blood blisters that I had to, to the point where there was a medic that actually gave me a syringe and told me to drain it out by myself each time I needed to. And I had to do that several times. Uh, my foot, like my foot care has improved through trial by fire from each race. And every time through training and runs and everything, I've just improved it. And this time, you know, I was employing a, you know, sock changing strategy, just keeping my feet dry using trail toes, anti-chafe cream. And this time the strategy just sort of, this is the race where I feel like all the hard work and pain from the other races came together. And I only ended up with one blister on the top of my foot. <laughs> I know it's unreal. I, I still can't believe it. I mean, my feet, my feet don't look pretty. They look ultra runners pretty, but <laughs> but like it was just that was the the huge win for me for sure and how many how many miles did you end up doing over the 72 hours i ended up doing roughly around 168.8 miles okay that's about 160 more miles i would probably do then yeah i saw what one loop was <laughs> Uh, my big ass going 168 miles is going to be tough. So <laughs> much respect to you, man. Um, you, know, you mentioned the, you, you mentioned the documentary that Brandon put together and he, uh, if you haven't seen that yet, uh, if you want to check it out, it's on YouTube and I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's just, it's just titled, uh, Om Gandhi for the kids. Correct. Correct. It's episode one of the Wolfpack films film series. And it's called episode one. Um, for the kids featuring Om Gandhi uh, okay. across the years. If you look up uh, either Brandon Stutzman or across the years, it'll be one of the fourth or fifth videos on that list. Nice. And the links, are, the links are in our bios as well. Okay. And it turned out to be really good. I, I really enjoyed uh, watching it. And there was one thing that I, I wanted to bring up that I saw in that video. Um, he asked you, uh, what would you tell your younger self? And I really loved your answer. And I, I would just want to ask you that same thing again, because I thought it was pretty powerful as far as uh, the message that you would tell your younger self. I think um, what I would always tell my younger self, this will never change, is that just hang in there. That things are going to get better. You're not going to be, you might be traveling 
it might seem like you're traveling deeper and deeper into the depths. It seems like it's only getting darker. Um, seems like there's no light, but it can't be dark forever. Things are going to get better. You just have to hang on. One thing for sure is I wish I could tell you, I wish I could tell my younger self um, about all the amazing people I've met, all the amazing things I've done, but I can't because if I do that, it'll change everything. Um, I, I want my younger self to go through that process the same exact way because that's what led me to this moment. That's what's built this character. That's what's built this person that's out here do, being a madman running one mile loops. Um, and one quote I read in The Alchemist that matches the Rumi quote that I said at the end was that if you want something really bad, the universe will conspire for you to get it. What you seek is also seeking you. And that's why it's showing up in your imagination because it's seeking you as much as you're seeking it. So just hang in there and just trust the process. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's deep. And that's, that's, <laughs> I, I heard you say that in the, in the, uh, in the film and I was like, damn, that just, that cuts really hard. Right. Like, you, and I think everybody would say the same thing. Like you want your younger self to always know that things are going to get better. There it's, this is the, you know, just keep following the path you follow, but you're right. You don't ever want to, you know, Hey, this is the, these are the people you're going to meet because then it does kind of change the character of the nature of the beast. And I think that was kind of a cool thing to, to look at and, and perceive is, you know, just know that it's going to get better, but you're going to meet some cool people on the way. And, and it was awesome to, to hear you say that, um, doing something that's really cool. Like, it, the last few events that you've uh, been at and um, social media and everything else here, and you just mentioned it a little bit ago, is the Richstone Family Center. Uh, I want you to talk about that a little bit and how you're involved, what people can do to help out with that. Um, and then how do you, how are you carrying that through some of your races coming up here in the future? So I had the pleasure of meeting Richstone family while I was looking for local charities to work with through a sustainability organization through my civil engineering program. It's a club that I founded called Engineers for a Sustainable World. Uh, we went out there to build a rainwater catchment system for them through with rain barrels. Uh, we ended up doing workshops for them, um, bringing them in to do like laboratory work and like just see our university and just like mentor the kids. And um, although the kids have moved on that I work with in 2016 in college and grown up, uh, the staff that's there still remembers me. Um, they're still what I respect about them most. And I have a hard time picking charities because there'll be a charity like a Red Cross or a UNICEF where it's not dollar for a dollar. You don't know where your money's going. There's administration fees. Um, I feel like with Ritstone being a local charity, being a small one that's been working so hard for so many years and actually working side by side with them and seeing how they're helping the kids, I was able to resonate with them deeply. Um, and because I was able to resonate with them deeply and I actually know the people who work there, that helped me carry it so much better throughout the race because I know what the stakes are as opposed to just being like, I don't know where my money's going at Red Cross or UNICEF. And I know a lot of people struggle with where they want that to go when they're donating to charities as well. Mm -hmm. I think people can help um, by sharing what Richstone's cause is all about, sharing the documentary, uh, 
just uh, if you have money to donate, donate it. If you have, if you're in the LA area and you have time to volunteer for those kids, volunteer for them, but just doing your part, just even just spreading the word is huge because it's kind of a pay it forward type of thing. You know, somebody else is going to see it. And if it wasn't for all of us sort of paying it forward, I don't think we would have hit our mark and passed our mark on the charity fundraiser goal of $2,500. So I'm just a catalyst. Uh, it was all the power of the amazing people that helped me out. You know, one thing I, I want to ask home is, is what is next for you? What do you have planned up for 2022? I believe, and haven't you, haven't you uh, signed up for one of the 200 mile events? Is that what your, one of your things is? Um, so I'm actually in the lottery for the Moab 240. Okay. All right. All right. Um, that draws on January 28th. I've got a um, bunch of hundred miles coming up just to kind of yeah, all in a short span, just to kind of push my personal limits. Um, I'm going to be helping out on Justin True's uh, triathlon. I know Justin was on the show, so I want to be there for to support him, run some miles with him, just crew him, just be there for him. Um, so that'll be a whole fun, stressy, but amazing month. In 2023, I am committed to doing the Triple Crown of 200s. I wish you all the best with everything that you do. I, like I, I've really enjoyed our conversations that we've had a chance to you know chat with already, and and I hope that you and I have a chance to connect even more. You're moving to Phoenix, which, <laughs> which <laughs> for you, I mean, Phoenix is a great location and stuff. It takes you out of the Southern California market, but I know you'll be back here in, in this area. Oh, absolutely, to, from, Southern to, California to is my home. Southern California is my home, and you you give me a big reason. You give me one another big reason to come back down to San Diego. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I appreciate you, man. So, well, I, I appreciate you. And again, I will put all the uh, information for Richstone, the documentary, uh, your social tags, everything, so people can follow along with you and what you're doing. Um, and just follow along with your, continue on with your journey, you know, and, and it's amazing. And I'll, I know I'll see you. I think I'll see you at San Pasquale race too in February, right? You will. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, be that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Sweet man. Well, I appreciate you jumping on with me today and, and uh, we'll, we'll definitely be connecting soon for sure. Yeah. I appreciate you, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's, this is fun.